the dying of the light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades. By Calchexis. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter 3 On a list of ways to start her day, dislocating her shoulder and left leg in order to cram herself into a metal box wasn't on Jinx's list of the best. Not the worst, either, but definitely not the best. The best generally involved sitting on a couch watching the sunrise over breakfast after having listened to Lux butcher a local jazz number with her amazing voice. Of course, they couldn't see the sunrise anymore from the hideout. It wasn't the same as home. It wasn't really home either. Not really, not yet. Maybe not ever. They'd find home again, though. The metal box rattled and bucked as it ran something over, and Jinx winced as a dull pain snapped through her. This was the deal, though. Jinx had made the introductions, Blondie had bargained, and now Zahn was riling itself up and the Pilties had no idea. Things were moving, clicking and clacking like the gears of a bomb. Except the bomb was Zahn, and it was taped to the underside of every single Pilty. Part of the bargain was getting Jinx onto the airship, and their partner had come through in spades. So Jinx had to get a little crunchy with her extremities. It was fine. Lux hadn't been thrilled with it, but that was normal. Lux was perfect and good, and she wanted good things for Jinx, but if they were going to teach Piltover not to mess with them, they would have to make sacrifices. Like Fishbones always says, in a good compromise, everyone loses a little. Another bump, and Jinx grimaced. Then the noise under the wheels changed from the harsh scraping of stone to the smooth burr of wheel on wood. They were on the docks. Jinx counted the planks, counted the distance, and there was another bump, and she was tipped to an angle. That was the loading plank. Now, the angle straightened out. Then another bump, and she was on the ship, loading deck to the main cargo hold. The movement slowed as she was pushed along, then shifted around as she was settled into place, then three knocks against the metal case. The Baroness sends her regards, along with a reminder to honor the deal, Cannon, a rough voice said in a harsh whisper. We'll be at the drop-off point in five days for the return. Jinx chuckled from inside the metal can. No worries, Chuck. Can I call you Chuck? Cause this thing is in the bag. You're pulling a one-woman invasion in Oxus, Chuck replied. We ain't holding our breath. Ah, oh, come on, Jinx replied with a muffled laugh. Do I sound like someone who tries to invade a major warmongering city-state chock-full of crazy magic and murderers without a plan? Yeah, kinda. That cut me real deep, Chuck. Your guns are in the bottom hatch of the container, and my advice— He thudded a fist against the box. If you do survive, but don't got the Baroness's payment, don't come back to Zon. Jinx laughed quietly as she listened to Chuck's footsteps slowly dwindle away and settled in for the long haul. She was going to be stiff and achy by the time she got out, but it wasn't the longest she'd hold herself up in anticipation of a job. Besides, Lux would be here too. Then they would get to dance under the moonlight. A smile etched across her face and a wide rictus as Jinx's heart swelled. It had been a long time since they'd danced, and Lux was the best dancer. Vi would be there, too, but it wasn't time for that dance yet. Not yet. You sure it's this one? Vi asked. It was a wide-bellied, broad-shouldered old bitch of a frigate called the Prospero, 
that had been running trade between Noxus and Piltover since before the Hexgates were a twinkle in the eye of Counselor Prettyboy, and she looked it. It definitely didn't strike Vi as Jinx's usual fare, but at the same time, she'd been wrong about a lot of things lately, so she was willing to go on faith. I can't be certain of anything, but I do think that it's the most likely, Lux replied. She hadn't worn her Damasian blues, which was good. She wasn't wearing those nondescript leathers, either. Lux was dressed in a dark leather overcoat with brass buttons and a cream tunic, along with functionally drab trousers and sturdy Piltoven work boots. She looked like the sort of functionary that filled every administrative office in the city with her hair pulled back and a tail tied with bronze ribbon, and she dusted her hair with something that took away the sunny sheen and gave her more of a dirty blonde look. The costume was completed with a pair of cosmetic bifocals that nonetheless looked surprisingly real. You look like the kind of secretary that gets dirty comments from her boss, Vi said. I got propositioned twice on my way here, Lunks replied in a tone of voice so arid it made Sharima look damp. Gross. Imagine how I feel. Vi snickered as she carded her fingers through her hair, brushing the ragged mess from her eyes as she took another sip of her coffee. She was no stranger to early mornings, especially not lately, but it didn't mean she liked them. She hadn't always been this way. As a kid, she'd been up whenever, but ever since moving to Piltover and having a comfy bed filled with a comfier wife, that had changed. Seems kind of slow for Jinx, Vi noted as she followed Lux down the dock along the length of the hauler. True, there are much faster skiffs heading to Noxus today, but only a handful of those are going to the capital, and many of those are too small to stow away on, Lux replied. Assuming she doesn't just hijack one of the fast ones, Vi pointed out. That's true, and as I said, this is a best guess and not a sure thing, she said, not denying the possibility, which surprised Vi. But Noxus has strict flight control paths. If Jinx did hijack a skiff and didn't know the proper route or call signs, she'd be shot out of the air in an instant. And you think Jinx would know all that? I think that underestimating someone with Jinx's body count is probably unwise, Lux replied. Vi snorted and shook her head. I said it before and I'll say it again, you're a hard woman, Lux. And I'm still alive. Well, Vi couldn't exactly argue with that. Understand that I'm not claiming to know your sister better than you, Lux said as they boarded the Prospero. But I've haunted enough criminals across Valoran that I trust my instincts. That's fair, Vi muttered. Caitlin had the exact same rule. The truth of the matter was that, in their line of work, there were never enough absolutes to go around. Everything was murky and about as gray as the air in Zaun, so when it boiled down to it, the two of them had always had the rule that they would follow their instincts. In the cities of Piltover and Zaun, acting was almost always better than not. Hesitating got you dead and quick. Do we have the location of the Arcturus? Mance von Fancy name, Vi replied. Lux gave her a sharp look. Pardon? Sighing, Vi reached into her jacket, pulled out a notepad, and jotted down the name. Caitlin had said it once, and she'd seen it on the paper that the council had provided, but fuck if she could pronounce it. Here. Vi passed the note off. Lux took it and scanned the name, then nodded. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest, and it's pronounced Tukutu, Lux said with a small laugh. Say it like you accidentally glued the back of your tongue to the roof of your mouth. A surprised cough of laughter escaped Vi as she tried it, and surprisingly, it sounded almost right. Fucking Noxians, Vi said. Fucking Noxians indeed, 
Lux replied. Did the council happen to mention why they handed over a pair of Piltofen citizens to a foreign kingdom beyond the obvious of ham-handedly punishing their daughter for signing with Zaun? Officially? Nah, Vi replied. Unofficially? Vi grimaced, then nodded for them to move away from the crew that were milling about with all the sundry duties of setting the Prospero to cast off. Lux followed her to a length of railing that sat in the shadowed lee of a cabin, and Vi leaned against the bars to stare down at the city that sprawled out beneath her. Off the record, the Kutuz have some kind of grudge against drinks. As if Vi needed more reasons to hate the woman, selling out her own people really was a new low. Camille cut a deal with them, offered them the Arcturas as bait when it got obvious that her other plan had gone up in smoke. How did she know out of curiosity? Lux asked. Dunno, maybe some signal from the Hextech? Vi ventured. Or maybe she just figured that since Jinx wasn't blown apart in Zon, she ought to err on the side of caution. The latter sounds more likely, but I get your meaning, Lux said. It was moments like that night in the council chambers that reminded Vi just why she had hated the topsiders so much growing up. In truth, a small part of her still did, but the wiser side of her, which sounded suspiciously like Caitlin in her mind, reminded her that it wasn't the top side that she hated, it was the cruelty. Zahn was no stranger to cruelty either, the Kembarons were proof of that. They were like Pilty Light, though, but at the same time Vi could almost respect them, even if she hated their guts. The barons had risen up from the muck of Zahn, so they knew what they were doing. When they threw shoddy safety equipment or expired filters at their mine workers, they knew they were basically killing them. They knew and they didn't care. The Pilties, though, the Council, they had no idea. They were stuck so far up their brass towers that they had no clue the kind of shit that went on in the places that they were supposedly responsible for. In Zaun, you climbed over however many corpses you had to if it meant buying another day of life. One more morning, one more meal, one more step forward. Whatever you had to do, whoever you had to put down, it didn't matter. So yeah, Vi hated the Kembarons, but she didn't blame them. They were just doing the same shit every Zonite did every fucking day, only writ large. It was Piltover that made Zon that way. It was Piltover that created the Grey, created the toxic runoff. And it was Piltover that created every single one of the Kembarons, whether anyone wanted to admit it or not. That was the part that Cupcake never understood. Maybe she'd never understand it. Vi still loved her, though. Kate, she tried. She tried so damn hard. And she did a lot of good. Vi loved her so goddamned much. Some things you just gotta live through, though. Are you all right? Lux asked. Vi started to open her mouth to say she was fine, but the words choked in the back of her throat. Instead, what came out was, You've been to Zon, right? I have. You ever seen anything like it? In Demacia? Lux asked, and Vi nodded. Would it surprise you to hear that I've actually seen worse? Vi frowned and turned to stare at her hard. There was something cold and blunt behind those blue eyes of hers. Something that Vi had never imagined she would see in the eyes of any noble-born topsider. There are townships in the borderlands beyond the lush valley that makes up the heart of Demacia, Lux began quietly, and her almost omnipresent smile turned flat and mean. Well, we call them townships, but they're not... They're... They're camps, really, and not good ones. Camps? 
Something in the depth of Vi's gut churned at the way Lux said that word. For what? For who? Lux corrected. And the answer is for neutered mages, or anyone who shows even a hint of magical talent, or even magical knowledge, or occasionally for the political rivals of certain high houses. She turned away to stare out at the eastern horizon. The Illuminators of Demacia, you know them as mage-seekers, regularly examine the populace for signs of magic. Most are imprisoned for a time and fed a potion that neutralizes magic, but it also makes them very sick. Some die, but most don't. The strongest are sometimes snapped up by the Radiant, but the rest go to the camps. So what, these mage-seekers, they just bust down your door and demand to know if you've been sticking your hand at the realm's heebie-jeebies? Vi asked in raw disbelief. That's fucking crazy. They don't ask, they just test with petrocyte, Lux said softly. But otherwise, yes, that's broadly correct. Vi tried to wrap her head around that and just couldn't. It sounded like a nightmare. The enforcers were corrupt shitheads, but by the time she and Powder were old enough to care, they had largely left the lanes and other burrows of the Undercity alone unless something went wrong, like the bridge riots. There were patrols, of course, and they'd hassle whoever they wanted, but it was just regular cop shit. This wasn't the same. This... That sounds fucking evil. The Crown calls it a necessary initiative to ensure that the kingdom remains safe from the threat of magic. Lux said in a tone of voice that suggested she'd said those words many, many times, and not just to herself. But it's just a fancy line to cover up what it really is. A pogrom. Demacia hunts its own people, takes those that don't fit, and sequesters them in filthy camps where they're put to work. Well, shit. Fire turned numbly away and leaned against the rail. Demacia works very hard to cultivate a specific image, so I'd appreciate you keeping that knowledge between us, Lux said. But understand that I... I know how you feel better than you might expect. Vi nodded. Of all the people she expected to have anything in common with, a spy from Demacia's premier noble house, who was the next best thing to a princess that place had, was not anywhere near the top of her list. No real heroes in Demacia then, huh? Vi asked glumly. I don't really believe in heroes, Mrs. Kiriman, but I do believe in good intentions. She turned to favor Vi with that saintly smile of hers and laid a hand on Vi's arm. And I appreciate those that have them. Now, you should liaise with the captain. I'm going to search the lower decks for signs of a stowaway. And if you find her? Then I have no doubt you'll know quite shortly. Lux replied with a wry smile, and Violet couldn't help but chuckle. Shit, you ain't wrong there, I replied, then said. Also, you know what they say about good intentions, right? Where they lead? To the void. Yeah. Then I suppose, Lux replied mischievously, that you want to watch where you stab. Vi laughed. Yeah, I'll do that. They parted ways, and Vi shivered as she tried to push the thoughts of Demacia's ugly underside out of her mind, 
All those stories of Tomasian knights in shining armor and wise sages suddenly rang pretty damn hollow. Making her way out of the shadows and up the steps to the captain's cabin, Vi wrapped her knuckles against the wood door. Who's that? came a rough, muffled voice from beyond the door. Vi Kiriman on council business for Captain Zalo. More muffled noises and swearing, and then the door opened to reveal a tall, rickety man in a long captain's coat that practically swallowed his emaciated form. He had a long face that was all wind-shorn lines and at least two days' worth of stubble, but his gray eyes were sharp as knives. Kiriman, I heard of you, he huffed as he nodded for her to come in. You're the trenchy girl the sheriff married. That a problem? Vi asked flatly. Nah. The captain waved off her guarded tone. Trenchy topsider. It's all the same to me. So business the council got with the Prospero, huh? Business is with Noxus, but the Prospero... Vi paused. She and Caitlin had gone back and forth on whether or not it was a good idea to bring up Jinx's potential presence. It was bad news either way. We're chasing the criminal Jinx. I'm sure you've heard of her, Vi said. And we have reason to believe she's planning to stow away on a ship to Noxus. Salo's gaze sharpened. You think she's on my ship, he said, more than asked. Maybe, Vi admitted. I'm here with an intel agent, and they've already started a sweep, but we have no way to know for sure. But you think so? He pressed. Intel thinks so, Vi confirmed. So why not stop her with the fucking ship? Zalo snapped. I ain't planning on crashing old Prozzy's nose in the Noxus. I'd rather be lighting a few shipments than be dead. And there was the part Vi knew she was going to hate the most, because he was both right and very, very wrong. Vi might not have had a chance for many heart-to-hearts with her baby sister in a while, but she knew Jinx. If we hold the Prospero and Jinx is on board and she realizes it, then we're leaving her no choice but to shoot, stab, and bomb her way out from wherever she hid herself, and she will, Vi said. But, Vi cut him off, if she's on the ship and we don't find her and we set off, then she's not going to knock the ship out of the air while she's on it. She's crazy, but she's not that crazy. At least Vi hoped she wasn't that crazy. Jinx is going to Noxus for revenge. And if we don't find her here, then there's no reason for her not to just disembark once you hit Darkseid, Savvy? Vi said. So I'm supposed to pretend. There ain't a fucking lunatic strapped with more bombs than a Progress Day fireworks display hiding under the planks of my ship. Well, that was a fair concern. Vi couldn't say he was wrong. She certainly didn't feel great about being on board a ship that was potentially carrying her stowaway sister either, considering Jinx's love of high explosives. Look, we don't know for sure that she's here, okay? This is an educated guess, Vi said. But that's why I'm here. She patted her atlas gauntlets that were secured at her waist. Assuming she is here, though, the version of events that mostly ends with Jinx not adding about a hundred more portals to your ship is to cast off, make the flight dock at Noxus, and pretend she was never on board, all right? Captain Zalo was visibly chewing over the shit deal that Vi had just handed him. This was a sump dump, no two ways about it, but there wasn't much choice, and he had to see that. If Jinx was on board, and he demanded that enforcers sweep to root her out, it would be a bloodbath. Fortunately, Zalo seemed to come to the same conclusion. 
He spat out an oath in Gutlow and waved her away. Fine, he grumbled. But I'm having my boys double-check the seals and fins on the lifeboats, if you don't mind. Just in fucking case. Tell me you got a surprise council inspection. I'll even play the part, I replied dryly, and that got a withered smile out of the old captain. Might do, he said. Now, if you don't mind, I got a schedule to keep. Vi stepped out of his way, then followed him out onto the deck. Nothing about this mission sat right with her. She was a step above a beat cop, whatever else the world said. She was a kid from Zaun who tripped upward at the sharpest angle possible and landed in bed with the most beautiful woman in two cities, and she was sure as shit not qualified for this. But Jinx was her sister. This was something she had to do whether or not she was qualified. Vander had used his last words to tell her to take care of Powder and damn all the gods and aspects, and that was exactly what Vi intended to do, one way or the other. Jinx was in hell. There was no other word for it. This was hell. She was crammed in a small, dark box that smelled like sweat and rust. She could barely move, and if she did move, then she risked knocking away the panel that was keeping her hidden. If that happened and anyone heard it, then the whole plan was grayed out from the start, and that would make their deal a little hard to make good on. Admittedly, there weren't a lot of great ways to get into Noxus. In fact, there were about as many ways in as there were reasons to go to that shithole. This was probably the best shot they had, and they'd made a hell of a deal to make it happen. And yeah, Jinx probably could have gotten in without the help, but that wasn't the point. Lux had wanted to bring the old lady in on the deal as a show of good faith, whatever that meant. Blah, blah, Zonite solidarity, blah, war, something, something, blah. Lux wanted it, so Lux got it. All Jinx wanted was revenge. Not on Pinkett. Not even on the idiots who built that machine. She wanted the one at the top. Camille Ferris. It was a name that practically oozed Pilty privilege. Ferris sounded like one of the old families. One of the big topsider houses like the one Vi, stands for Vicious, lived in. The one with all the money that was soaked in trenchy blood. How much of it had it taken to buy Vi? How much jingling jangling gold had it taken for Vi to ignore all the red and the rust that covered it? The engines of the airship throttled up, and Vi smiled wide as she felt the massive frigate start to move. Her eyes burned in the darkness, and she popped her knuckles reflexively as she licked dry lips. Soon she'd get the signal, and the fun would start. Lux had promised, after all. She'd promised that they would do more than just find the people who might, maybe, know how and where to track down Camille. Lux had promised that they would send a message not just to Noxus, but to the whole world. The game was over. Zaun was about to roar. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.